Good morning, everybody. We are continuing our way through the Gospel of Matthew, and uh, this this is the last section of the Sermon on the Mount. And I hope that as we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and reading through it, I hope you've been able to read through it some extra times and pray through it. It is really challenging, right? Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot in there that really. Um, in light of some of the events going on with the rioting and, and just racism being brought um, really into, into public view more and more this past week, um, it's made me really wonder if anybody's reading the Sermon on the Mount and really wonder like what would happen if, a, you know, uh, a couple years ago, the, the term born again Christian became a thing and that wasn't a phrase and, and it was just, it, it came into use, and then just a few years ago, people were talking about red letter Christians, where they were there's kind of making a difference between Christians and Christians that pay attention to the words that Jesus said in the Bible. And as I've been, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount these last three weeks. I thought, gosh, I wonder, I wonder what it'd be like if we were Sermon on the Mount Christians, and you know, to, to really absorb the Sermon on the Mount and live it out and watch it fulfill the kingdom. And then I realized that there's no such thing as a born-again Christian or a red-letter Christian or a Sermon on the Mount Christian. There's just Christians. And what Jesus details what a Christian is, is what a Christian is. And... So that's kind of the context that I'm coming from, is thinking that through, and what does that mean? Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is not a new list of laws. It's not a, uh, a, a new list of rules that Jesus had to replace the Mosaic Law. The Sermon on the Mount is the Holy Spirit's going to live in you, and the kingdom of heaven is going to be advanced through you, and the life of Christ is going to dwell in you, and here are some ways that that looks. Um, now Jesus knew that he wasn't given a law, and he knew that people wouldn't live up to it, right? I mean, he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, chop it off. Well, wouldn't he have told Peter to chop off his tongue after Peter betrayed him three times? So it's, it's not just a, a literal law but it is a, a collection of Jesus' teaching and trying to cut to our hearts, cut to our soul to say, this is what living in obedience to the Holy Spirit by the grace of God looks like. And so with that, we're going to continue on to Matthew 7 today. Judge not, this is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you will not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck 
out of your brother's eye. Remember, everything last week and everything the week before was about humbling ourselves and submitting to Jesus and submitting to him. You know, just this thing right before it. Don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about tomorrow. God will provide for you. Jesus will give you everything you need. And this is in the context of judgment too. If I judge somebody, I'm not trusting Jesus to do his job, which is to judge them. I am telling when I judge somebody, I'm telling Jesus, it's all right, Lord, I got this. I can do this without you. That person's evil or that person's good. Judgment goes either way, right? He says, don't do it. You're going to be judged the same way. The, this came into really, really obvious view to me in a really stupid way. Um, years ago, I, I worked at this place and my coworker, you know, we had a meeting and my coworker says about the, the, the notes after the meeting. And he says, uh, it's going to be days before we ever get the notes from that meeting because the guy that took notes always takes forever to send them out. And uh, I'm like, okay. I, I just started working there. I didn't know. And he was right. It was three or four days before we got notes from the meeting that we just had. And it was like a page. It was no big deal. And then the next week, that guy that said the dude's always late, he was the one that took notes for the meeting. And I, as soon as the meeting was over, I thought, okay, now we're going to get these notes from the meeting right away. Because last week he was complaining about this other guy taking three days to give us the notes. And do you know, every day I watched my email and I judged that guy by the measure that he had judged someone else waiting for him to send out the notes. And he sent it out four days late, just like the other guy did. And I probably wouldn't have even paid attention to that. I mean, who reads those things anyway, right? But I paid attention to it because that first guy taught me how to judge others by how long it takes them to send out an email. That's really simple. And I know that doesn't involve sin, but the, when that all happened, I think maybe I was reading through this at the same time, it all dawned on me that when we judge somebody, you know, that guy, blank, 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 that lady, blank, blank, blank. We have just instructed those around us on how to judge people. Here's a criteria to judge people by. And now they've been given that that criteria and they're going to judge us by that same criteria. Now, this is Jesus talking about sin. Is Jesus talking about it doesn't matter what he's talking about across the board, whether it's sin and heaven and hell, whether it's whether they're a good person or a bad person, whether I like to sit around, be with them or not the whole bit. Don't judge people and don't put judgments on them because as soon as you do, you're going to be judged by the same measure. And then he does this whole speck in the eye, plank in the eye thing. And uh, there's, a, there's a great cartoon where Jesus is it's a miracle maker, Jesus cartoon. 
And Jesus is telling these parables and he acts it out and he's walking around with a two by four uh, held up to his eye. And it's funny. Like everybody, all the people that are listening are laughing at him. And it really is laughable. When I see somebody do something, more often I'm not judging real people, right? I'm judging how they're portrayed on the news. Or I'm judging people on based on how they're portrayed on Facebook. Or I'm judging people based on how they're portrayed through the gossip that I heard from another person. Ah, do you see how messed up judgment is, right? Or if I am judging them in person, I'm judging them by what I want. I'm judging them by my desire and my the thing that I'm driven that I want to have. I'm not judging them by right judgment, right? Well, most often, I don't even see the plank in my own eye, the, the much bigger thing in my own eye. Um, it, it kills me. One time I was watching a football game, watching a football game with other people. I'm not into football. So, you know, if I'm watching a football game, it's because I'm with other people. And uh, somebody did the play and they did something and they just didn't do a very good job. And one of the people watching the game said, he was just being lazy. And I thought, we're sitting in couches in air conditioning with grippos and ski watching a football game where these guys are running around constantly. And somebody just said that guy's lazy. <laughs> what? Anyway, it's hard to not have an ongoing commentary about everybody you see. I, I'll speak for myself. It is hard for me to not just judge, 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 judge. And, um, and it's just really good to hear Jesus say, gosh, don't, don't wear yourself out with all that judgment. Don't do it. It's, it's not going to do you any good. You're not going to get anything out of it. And then the next part, verse six, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is really good. So dogs, dogs and pigs in Jewish culture were just disgusting. They were scavenging. They were kind of like possums. Possums are rats. Um, they just lived wild. Uh, dogs. Dogs just lived wild. They roamed the streets and they were scavengers. Uh, nobody had, you didn't have a pet dog. That'd be, uh, uh, that'd be disgusting. That'd be so gross. And, um, He's saying, don't, don't feed the dogs. Don't, if, if somebody is not receiving what you're saying to them, if some, you know, a, if you give a, a pearl to a pig, a pig doesn't know what to do with it. If you, if you cast, what was it before dogs? Don't give dogs what is holy. Dogs don't know the difference. Dogs don't know the difference between holy and unholy. And um, if you're talking to somebody and they just don't, they don't want to hear it don't beat them over the head with it you're going to do more harm than good um, if you give a dog what's holy you're just going to destroy the holy thing because the dog's going to do what's in their nature to do and i'm not i hate calling people dogs and pigs but if somebody's acting terrible and they don't want to receive what you have to say don't force it on them. don't don't expect don't expect more out of them um, your best thing at that point is to love them to love them with actions uh, over over your words, right? 
All right, Matthew 7, 7. This is a great little section um, about, about prayer and how to pray. It's just Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. I'm so distracted. There's a bird. There's a bird out here in my backyard. That, that is so loud. <laughs> You're loud. It's louder than any of those loud cars that drive by church in the middle of my sermon, right? Okay. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. I mean, these are promises from Jesus. You will get what you pray for. Wow. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? A lot of times we pray, and do you ever... You ever pray like you're asking God for something that he doesn't want to give you? Do you ever feel like your prayer is um, against, against God's will? Like, does that make any sense? Because sometimes we pray and we ask for stuff and, and we even apologize to God. For, I'm sorry, Lord, for asking for this, but... And I think if we really grasped God's love for us, God's amazing love for us, that we would pray totally differently. I mean, look at what he says. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father give you good gifts? If Caleb came out here and... Uh, he said, hey, hey, Daddy, can I finish off the end of the orange juice? I'm not going to go over to our rain barrel and say, no, drink this. No. At the least, I'm going to say, have milk, right? Uh, it, that would be so, so crazy. And yet, sometimes we think God is out to get us. Or we think God doesn't want to answer our prayer just because... One time we prayed, or maybe 10 times we prayed and we didn't get it. Keep praying. Pray. Ask God. Ask God to show you what he wants to give you. And then ask him for it. And this can go on and on. This, this doesn't end. This doesn't run out. We don't um, over to overspend our welcome with God. He wants to give good things to those that ask him for things and you got to take it in the context of the rest of the sermon on the mount right um, i mean he's already shown that you can't serve god and money so if you're praying for more money so that you can serve money i don't think god's going to give you more money right um I, actually i take that back god might abundantly bless you with money to, to expose what you're serving. I mean, I think I think Joe Olstein is a good example of that. Um, I think I think there's some real real truth to the fact that prosperity preachers 
all have a whole lot of money because God is exposing them for who they're really serving. Does that make sense? Um, now, as I say that, I realize I'm just judging and now I'm going to be judged and I'm opening myself up to what income level do I live at and how much money do I have, right? Isn't that crazy? So I take back the judgment. Um, God wants to give us what he wants. He wants us to ask for what he wants to give us and he wants to give us stuff. It, it goes together. Yes. Stick with the scripture, Dan. No commentary. So verse 12 and 13 go together. This, this whole be free, pray, ask God for stuff. Um, and not just like material things, but pray for, you know, peace in Evansville. Pray for justice in Milwaukee and peace in Los Angeles and justice in New York and peace in New York. Pray boldly and God wants to give you these things. All right, verse 12. Whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For this sums up the whole law and the prophets. Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them. Isn't that wild? Like a lot of times the golden rule, people say, whatever people do to you, do back to them. That's not the golden rule. That's the rule of vengeance, <laughs> right? Whatever you would have people do to you, whatever you wish people would do to you, do that to them first do that to them before they do it to you. Isn't that wild? That, that's the golden rule. That's the, oh, all the law and prophets are wrapped up in that. So everything Isaiah said about, about uh, forgiveness and mercy and the Messiah coming and bearing our burdens, everything Jeremiah said about turning to God, heart and soul, Everything that Moses taught, all of the law of Moses, all of the life of David and the life of Saul and the struggle of all the kings of Israel, it's all wrapped up in whatever you wish that others would do to you, do to them first. Then Jesus, he knows that that's hard. He says, enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. I heard a, a really good description of this. It is the way that's narrow that leads to life is Jesus. And he is the only way that leads to life. And as we follow him, we follow the narrow way because it's just him. And following him, we we experience eternal life, right? He is the narrow gate. The gate that is wide is all of us, every one of ourselves. And if I follow myself and Jim follows himself and Rick follows himself and Sue follows herself and Cindy follows herself, we just made this gate really wide of all of these people following themselves. And that's the road that leads to destruction. 
if I'm, if I'm my own little God of judgment and I'm judging other people and you are your little God of judgment, judging other people, and she is her little God of judgment, judging other people, we've just made this wide, wide, wide gate going in all different directions of judgment. Jesus, he is the gate. He is the door. And as we follow him, we're led into eternal life. Isn't that awesome? So then Jesus gives uh, one, two, three, three parables. One is about a tree. One is about people um, coming and knowing him or not. And then the next one is about building a house and what kind of foundation you build the house on. And those three parables you're going to see all offer a, well, I guess we can count the gate too, the narrow gate or the wide gate. All of these offer a very binary this or that option for every one of us. They, they offer a, you are either this or you are that. And it's intense. So first you have the tree. And he says, beware the false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Notice here, it's not, um, there's good fruit and there's, yeah, you know, I mean, it is all right. Fruit and there's bad fruit. Um, it's like the strawberries either have white on the inside and they're nasty or they're red all the way through and they're good. No middle ground. Uh, that's what Jesus is saying. You will know. You At the Last Supper, he says it, right? By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. Right here, he says, false prophets. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inside they're wolves. They're not bad sheep. They're not... Uh, uh, teachers that are just kind of nah, they're wolves they will kill you you will die they're ravenous they they're eating for sport they're evil and so that is important right um false prophets are false they're not they're not less entertaining they're not uh boring prophets they're false prophets and there's a there's a real line between that so you skip back and you say okay wait i'm not supposed to judge but i'm supposed to watch out for false prophets and uh pretty tricky huh take it all in context so in judgment it was right back there with it was with generosity it was don't worry about your life don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow don't judge others don't try to make somebody better with the speck in their eye when you've got a plank in your own eye. But first remove the plank so that you can remove their speck. But watch out for false prophets. Watch out for them. 
and you'll know by their fruit that they're false. And if they are false, you avoid them and stay away from them. I know it's complex, but it's Jesus and it's true. You got to watch out. You got to watch out for when, when somebody preaches anything that goes against the grace of Jesus, Jesus dying for our sins, when it goes against, um, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, when it goes against that stuff, put up your red flag and test it and, and ask people. I've, I've been trying, um, this week on Facebook, I've been trying to not share my opinion so much because people can argue with my opinion. I've been trying to share scripture. And so if they, if they disagree with the scripture, that's fine. That's okay. Um, but, but don't be Christian and disagree with and say the scripture is not true. Right. And so all these things draw people back to the word draw people back to jesus if there's a false prophet if there's somebody that's bearing bad fruit in their life um help them to see god's love help them to see jesus and so they're not denying you they're it's easy to deny me it's easy to argue with me and to disagree with me right um but to engage with jesus and and work with him he does a much better job of converting people anyway, right? Beware of false prophets. Oh, yeah, we already talked about that. It gets weirder. Verse 21. This is Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Did you catch that? Not everybody's going to, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, just the people that do the will of his Father. On that day, many will say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons? I will declare to them, I never knew you. You depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So there are people that are, are going to say, Lord, Lord, that are going to look religious, that are going to act religious, and they're still doing their own thing. They're not obeying the will of Jesus. They might be very religious looking. They might look very pious, but the will of God, the will of God is to follow his son Jesus and to do these things, to do these things that Jesus says to do. That lawless, um, it comes up in a couple other places about lawlessness, and it's basically, it, it's rebellion, it's doing evil. And so practicing evil while saying lord lord or even saying you know jesus jesus told me this or jesus is doing that or jesus wants you to send me money whatever um if that's not the will of the father it's against jesus and so that's why he says i don't even know who you are i don't even know you how how can how can somebody anybody can take a name right? But it's to know Jesus is to follow him and to seek after him. Years ago, I read through this and I didn't know if I knew Jesus. And I really questioned whether I was just doing stuff, um, just doing religious activities. And, and I didn't know if I really knew him. And 
there was a really cool, cool thing I read. I forget who wrote it, um, but they were basically saying, if you are continuing to seek after Jesus and you will give up any other religious nonsense to follow Jesus, then you know you're on the right track and just keep going. Just keep doing that. Keep seeking Jesus and don't make any religious activity. Uh, Lord, Lord, you know, make it secret. Don't make any of it an idol. And the more you seek after him, the more he himself will reveal himself to you. And I'm here to tell you, it's true. It's, it's real. If you, if you wonder and if you doubt and if you don't know if you know him, seek after him and tell him tell him tell jesus you want to find him and you want to seek after him he he will help you well then finally this is the end of the sermon on the mount this is the final thing everyone who hears these words of mine and does them some translations say whoever hears these words and puts them into practice that sounds just like the first the parable just before this the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Everyone then who hears these words and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against that house, it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice how much is in here in action. Action, who does these words, who does these commands, who lives these things out, is the one that builds their house on the rock. Both of these houses look the same. That, I mean, think that through for a minute. It's, it's easy to look at people and be like, oh, that guy's evil. Look, just look at him. You can tell by looking at him, he's evil. Jesus is talking about two houses that might be identical. They might be the same architecture. They might have the same design. One of them goes right back to the parable before it, right? One of them is built on the rock, which is doing the will of God, which is doing the desires of of the father of jesus the, the the one true god right to do jesus's will is to know him and that's to build your house on the rock to just build a house no matter how religious it is how many cross windows how many crosses you got hung up in it i don't care if you're not following the will of god you're building on sand and your house will fall. This is serious, right? This is this is worth driving us to repentance and driving us to take God super seriously. Because Jesus has talked about trees bearing bad fruit being thrown into fire. He's talked about um, depart from me. I never knew you. That's condemnation right there, right? And he's talking about a, a house being just completely wiped out by a storm. Let's seek after Jesus. Let's seek after him and, and his actual words 
and his way of life and his practice. The very end, I want, I want to be in the same state that the crowds were in at the end. This is Matthew 7, 28. When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And that that's the real question, right? Do we want to make ourselves the authority over how to read scripture? Or do we want to make Jesus the authority on how to read scripture? There's a really good, really good section of um, the Dietrich Bonhoeffer book about the cost of discipleship. And he's talking about how how much we work to explain away the Sermon on the Mount. That Jesus didn't really mean this or that or that or this. And just that little, that little change in discipleship and that little change in our walk and our life of what happens if Jesus is real and he's true and he really meant the Sermon on the Mount. What if he really meant that those that hear these things and do them are like a house built on stone? What if he really meant that people that, that obey the Lord and flee lawlessness really will enter the kingdom of heaven? What if it's true? that a healthy tree will bear good fruit and it'll bear fruit that will last. So do it again. Read through the Sermon on the Mount. Pray these things. Say, Lord, help me to do this. Help me to know this. Help me to live this and help me to teach it to others. Help me to teach the Sermon on the Mount the things that you were taught straight from Jesus's mouth to teach those things to other people. Because at the end of Matthew, that's what he says, right? Go into all nations, teach them everything I taught you. There it is. All right. God bless you guys. Thanks.